Take the five daily helpers online course to help you feel and cope better. Protecting yourself against the stresses and strains of daily life can be a challenge. Open Forwards helps you live life to the full by giving you the knowledge, the skills and the support to make yourself calmer, healthier and more confident. Find out how to sign up by moving on up to www.openforwards.com. Open Forwards helps you discover effective self-help, get some solid guidance that has a scientific basis and save time by getting straightforward rundowns on the stuff that works. This is Self-Help SatNav. Episode number seven of Self Help Satnav. Today I have the great fortune to be speaking with Dr. John Forsyth. John is Professor of Psychology and Director of the Anxiety Disorders Research Program at Albany State University of New York. He is an internationally recognized author, speaker, and trainer in the use of acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT, and practices that cultivate mindfulness loving-kindness and compassion. He has written several popular books, including Act for Anxiety Disorders, Act on Life, Not Anger, Your Life on Purpose, and most recently, a second revised edition of the Mindfulness and Acceptance Workbook for Anxiety, which came out in the UK in April earlier this year. And this last book is really the focus of today's interview. Its full title is The Mindfulness and Acceptance Workbook for Anxiety, A Guide to Breaking Free from Anxiety, Phobias and Worry Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. So I'm really excited to have John here. Hi, John. Oh, hi, Jim. Thank you for having me on your show. You're very welcome. I'm very pleased that you could join us. So um, let's get straight into things here, John, talking about this book that you've wrote um, in partnership with um, Georg Effort. Is that the correct way to say his name? Yeah, Georg Effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm wondering if you could tell us about the single most compelling example of how this workbook has helped somebody. Well, yeah, this, uh, you know, there are several examples I could draw from, but one that comes to mind is uh, somebody actually I had some contact with. And uh, he uh, was a 30-year-old person with a long time history of struggling with uh, panic attacks, um, severe difficulty, um, you know, driving alone, um, especially at night, and also uh, severe depression. And he had... Uh, gotten to the place where his life was really um, shrinking down, where he couldn't do the things he wanted to do. He had a fiance and um, had gone through uh, what is, we you know, is sort of the gold standard treatment for anxiety, which is uh, cognitive behavior therapy. And he went to a leading center here in the U.S. for a week or so, actually, you know, physically 
relocated and stayed in a hotel for that period of time to do an intensive treatment program. And uh, that approach helped him for a bit, but then the anxiety monster came back and the depression and the fear of going out at night. And so he went searching again for help and he stumbled on the workbook that you mentioned that we wrote and he started to work with that and then he contacted me and what I've seen is just a radical transformation in the way he looks at his anxiety and fear in his life that he he went from being literally at war with his thoughts and his feelings and trying to challenge them and correct them and cope with them differently to a stance of more being open and being more of an observer being more flexible and just fluid with that and accepting and then pouring his energy into the kind of life he wanted to create. So the things that really matter to him we call values. And uh, it's been extraordinary. He's gone from not being able to drive himself to driving. He took a trip, uh, a long, several long trips, driving to Florida and back. And he lives in the northern part of the United States in Vermont. So. Uh, just long drives and uh, and uh, his career's taken off now and he has kids and he's married now with to his fiance and he's told me that uh, you know he used to think that anxiety and fear were the barrier between him and his life and he had to beat it and after working with the workbook and I you know we chatted with him sort of to coach him along in places uh, but he did most of this work on his own. He realized that uh, part of the problem in his suffering was that he was at, literally at war with his emotions and his thoughts. And once he saw that and saw that he could think what he thinks and feels what he, you know, and feel what he would feel without struggle and resistance, uh, his life changed. He had energy and attention to put elsewhere. And uh, so, you know, it, it just, there's, you know, piece after piece with that where, uh, you know, I, I've looked at him and even uh, taking a family trip, with, uh, he had packed up all of his old uh, anxiety sort of safety gear with him. He had his books and his vitamins and his sun lamp to stave off the depression and earplugs uh, ear to blot out the noise. And they were going to a beach resort and this is his wife and his, with his kids. And so he thought he needed to bring all this gear along, and that's what he would always do, just in case. And uh, but this time, for the first time, when we spoke, he said, uh, I asked him, I said, did you open up that bag with all, all this gear? You know, it's almost like he's going camping, except it's all anti-anxiety gear. And he said, no, I didn't open the bag up once because I didn't want to be about what was in the bag. I had my wife there, my kids there, the ocean. And uh, so he chose not to uh, be part of that sort of more fighting, you know, being about the anxiety. So he went from somebody whose life was very small to someone who's just complete about face, you know, where he's leading a company and his family business and kids are thriving. He's a dad, he's connected to his values of parenting, creativity, um, you know, his relationship with his wife. Um, so the, the workbook really gave him something that he had never really tried before. And uh, 
And that's what really helped him, made the difference in his life. That's a lovely and a powerful story to hear. I guess what stands out for me is just how much it managed, how much he managed to change things around. Um, I was curious, obviously this is someone you know, you know, how much input do you think you gave to him in terms of coaching or support alongside the book? Yeah, I, I think I, I looked at my role as more of like a gentle guide, um, but he did most of the work on his own. And, you know, a big piece that he, he started to recognize was that, uh, that he has control over the kind of relationship he has with his thoughts and his feelings. Like, like imagining that those were, you know, a friend or somebody he might know. He can either be hostile and unkind to whatever his mind and body gives him, or he can be gentle, loving, open. And it doesn't mean he likes it, because we all have somebody we know and love that we don't necessarily like everything that they do, right? <laughs> so. So he had learned that, you know, it's not about liking anxiety so much, but it's about being, uh, when it does show up, is to take control where he has it, which is how does he greet it? And does he, you know, get tangled up in it or can he let it be and let it come and go? And it focuses energy on the other things in his life that he wants to be about and do. So he did a good deal of that work. And then I came in more as a coach, uh, which I do some of this, um, I still do this with other folks who are interested in that sort of life coach guide, you know, helping him along in places because, you know, some of this uh, work does require um, commitment. And, you know, we know a lot of people that pick up self-help books that don't actually work with them. They just read them cover to cover. And we strongly recommend against that with a workbook that, you know, if you want this book to work for you, you have to work with it. And so I think that's how he saw this, is like me sort of structuring that so he would actually continue to work with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense that by structuring it that way, you're inviting someone to participate in the exercises more than you would if it was written like a storybook. Exactly. And that's, that's the key is that, uh, you know, the book teaches a lot of uh, many, many skills to radically change the way people relate to not just anxiety and fear, but it also includes other unpleasant emotions. I mean, the person I mentioned also would struggle with anger. Mm -hmm. and, and then he recognized eventually that the anger really didn't serve him well at all. In fact, it, it hurt him and it wasn't what he wanted to be about as a person. And he started to see these thoughts and even other people's words and actions as something he really didn't have much control over. But he had a lot of control over the kind of person he wanted to be about, and he didn't want to be the angry person. So he took the same skills that he learned to get space with anxiety and fear, and he started to use that with those triggering, judgmental, finger-pointing thoughts that would ignite an anger for him. And he started to feel more peaceful and calm and balanced in those situations and uh, more capable to be the kind of person he wanted to be. So um, that's what's kind of neat inside of the workbook. It's not just about anxiety and fear. It's really about uh, 
what it means to be a human being and the sources of our suffering and also our genuine happiness if we are willing to learn something new. Yeah. There's a message that I think I'm hearing in throughout what you're saying just then and previously when you're describing the story of his progress is that letting go of that fight to battle with whatever it is that shows up, mm -hmm. so whether it's that anxiety that he was fighting with or whether it's this anger that he's fighting with. And knowing about ACT, I know that's a central premise as well, but it seems to me that that's kind of a big part of what he learned. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. He learned, um, we have a metaphor in there we call it sort of tug of war with the anxiety monster. And everybody knows, probably even as kids, if, or have seen somebody play tug of war and you know what that's like. They're two teams and fighting it out. Um, but anxiety needs our active participation to grow into a life-shattering problem. There's no room for anxiety to become a problem inside um, an environment that's kind and gentle and compassionate and loving okay, toward ourselves. And so what he did was literally when the anxiety showed up, he was saying, this is bad, something's wrong with me, I have a problem, I have a disorder, why can't I be normal, all these other thoughts. And he would pick up the rope with the monster and literally just dig his feet in and try you know, the medications and Googling and WebMD and self-help books and you know, trying to beat it, which is such a different stance than allowing it just to be there because it's there anyway and not feeding it and not struggling with it. And when he let, we learned to let go of the rope, by just acknowledging it for what it is, which is thoughts and feelings and bodily sensations. You know, if you unpack the monster, that's what you find, these, these pieces of it. Um, he was able to say, okay, now what do, I, what do I want to do with my hands that are free and my feet and my attention? You know, do I want to keep fighting this monster? And, you know, he looked at his experience, you know, has it ever told him the monster goes away for good? And he's, the answer was no, <laughs> never really goes away for good, which I've seen over and over again with people, even people who are taking uh, medications for anxiety. Um, the, the anxiety never goes away entirely for good. And even if it seems to, people still have this nagging sense, sort of like, you know, that experience of like looking over your shoulder to see if something's following you <laughs> or someone's behind you. Well, it's kind of like that psychologically, it's still sort of there. Maybe it'll come back, you know? So that's all inside of the struggle, mm. right? You know, that looking over our shoulders, like, oh my God, this is a bad thing if it comes back. And what he had learned to do with the, with the book and the skills was to get to a place where, you know, the anxiety coming and going, has, he has little control over, and, and he doesn't have to fight that war. Instead, he started to practice uh, self-compassion and more acceptance and being more of an observer of his experience. It's kind of noticing thoughts as thoughts and, you know, physical sensations as physical sensations and not getting tangled up in them, which gave him freedom. He felt like actually by doing that, letting go, he felt more in control of his life. 
And I've heard that again and again, too. And our, actually, our research shows that uh, with the workbook. Um, Which leads me on to, I guess, an observation that is where your book is at least different from other books in one way, which is about this evidence base. Mm. Um, it's a big part of why I do this show is to signpost people to examples of self-help that have an evidence base. Yes. And the evidence base behind your book seems unique in some way that it's, you've actually done a project, a, a trial of, of how much this has helped people. Can you say a bit about that, John? Yeah, we, we um, when Georg Eifert and I wrote the book, we, we wrote it with, it was research informed, and we wrote it with every intention to help people, but we didn't really know, was the book in fact helpful? And we also wanted to find out, and we acknowledged too that that's kind of a risky move. If you actually do a controlled study, you could be wrong and find out that you're wrong, but we were willing to take that risk, and so uh, some uh, graduate students of mine actually spearheaded that project and Gehrig and I were just more in a back consulting role and so they did a very large trial uh, testing the workbook with over 500 people from 25 countries including the UK, uh, United States, Australia, Canada, those are some of the bigger uh, you know, uh, countries with the largest participation. And the real interest we had was to see if the book is helpful when people use it on their own. So no phone calls by us, no therapist coaching, no guidance, no check-ins. We just basically uh, did this controlled trial where we randomized people to flip a coin. You get the book, work with it for 12 weeks, and then the other people just waited for 12 weeks, and then we gave them the book and we followed them. So we had... Uh, so we had this, uh, this trial, we assessed them before they started the book, in the middle, at the end, and then we followed them up up to six months. And so, this, so what we found here was that uh, you know, this, this sample of people were pretty severely anxious and depressed uh, based on established measures. Um, the book itself does not hold out uh, it doesn't even talk about your anxiety going down or your depression going down. Uh, but when people worked with the skills in the book, so we didn't put our attention on making anxiety go away or the depression, uh, because that's the same thing we talked about, Jim, that sort of pick up the rope, you got to beat this. So that's not what the book is about. So instead, we focused on these ACT skills, which we say are cultivating the conditions for your genuine peace of mind and flexibility so you can live your values and do what matters to you. When you focus on those skills, uh, the depression goes down sharply. Uh, when you use the book, but not before, anxiety goes down sharply as a byproduct too, when you use the book, but not before. And it maintains out to three and six month follow-up. That's as far as we follow people. And the neat thing is that as those Anxiety and depression in quality of life was improving with people who used the book but not before. As those changes were happening, uh, they were happening as a consequence of people increasing their mindfulness, their self-compassion, their acceptance, um, 
their ability to watch their thoughts and to live their values. So those are the skills we, we focus on in the book that we believe are linked to sort of peace of mind. And when people cultivate those skills, they feel better and they live better. Uh, so we're really excited about that. And so, you know, as far as we know, we're the only, uh, the only authors who have actually tested a self-help anxiety book in a pure self-help way without any uh, therapist contact or coaching. So that was really encouraging. So basically, you know, the message was that if people work with the book, and on average the readers worked with the book about uh, four hours or so a week, uh, you know, they actually saw significant improvements in their life and in their emotional life and peace of mind. And uh, So we thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And great to have explored that and I guess quite encouraging that you know through some research that it has been shown to help people in quite a significant way. Oh, yeah. You know, and it does. And it, I think the hard thing for people is, uh, you know, the question that we ask people is really, you know, are you willing to work with the book? You know, this is, you know, it's okay if people want to read it cover to cover initially, but then the important part is to rewind it and start at the beginning and actually go through it, give yourself time to work through the chapters. And, uh, and then, to, you know, don't believe us, but just check in with your experience over time and see what's happened. Um, you know, this was a fairly large trial. Uh, we've done a face-to-face -face study. It was also published. That study you mentioned is uh, now in press. So it's a peer-reviewed journal, a leading behavioral journal, in fact, uh, behavior therapy. So that will be out uh, sometime this fall. Uh, that's peer-reviewed. Uh, that was just accepted, I think, probably before you and I had scheduled this interview. But it's, uh, So that will be coming out. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And you've given a couple of examples there of things that people can do to get the most out of the book, mm -hmm. like actually doing the exercises, doing four hours a week. Is there anything else that you would add to that list at the moment? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, another uh, tricky thing here is that uh, you know, many people I've talked to as well that come to this workbook or looking for a way out of their suffering with anxiety, uh, there's a danger when you pick up a book like this to still have that old agenda of, I'm going to use the stuff I'm learning in this book to beat the anxiety. You know, so I, you know, we teach mindfulness. There are a lot of uh, guided mindfulness exercises. The book comes with uh, audio uh, guided meditations and so on that are available online. Um, so there's a tendency then to read the exercises like, I'm going to use this as a clever way to beat the anxiety. So part of the work on the front end of the book is to really help people if they're not already there, to get to a place where they've said basically enough is enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to fight this, this fight that I don't need to fight. And my experience tells me that I haven't won and nobody I know actually can win it. <laughs> uh, so there's a piece there that I caution people is, is not to, you know, you could use, uh, I use the example of going to the gym. Maybe that would help. It's like, 
We know that some people go to the gym to be physically strong and healthy, and maybe they do it for values related to social connection, and they want to live a long life and be, and, uh, be active. And then there are other people who go to the gym, and they're going not for those reasons, but they're going because they had the extra pizza the night before, and they're going to just burn the calories off. And they're going uh, just so that their belt notch can be tightened one more notch. It's just a very different feel that I'm going to like, live my life and to be healthy and to thrive and to be active and connected with other people and connected with my body and live a long life. So with this book, you know, if you approach anxiety the same way, you can use mindfulness as a clever way to try to relax away the anxiety and beat it. Or you can use it as a way to let go and open up to and to see the anxiety for what it is, to get freedom from it, right? You can use uh, relaxation skills and guided, other guided practices as a clever way to beat the anxiety or as a way to get the space you need to live your life. So same exercise, but different intentions. So we encourage people to really get in touch with the intentions of, of sort of letting go of that struggle that hasn't served them well and probably has just taken a lot of energy and resources and approach the book as it was intended in a, with a, a kind of a willingness to change their relationship with the stuff that they've already had, their old history that's bubbling up, call it anxiety, fear, upsetting thoughts. Uh, yeah. So the, yeah. I mean, that comes across very clearly, John, is that it's, you can pick up a tool, but if you use it in a particular way that has been shown not to work, it's probably not going to work for you again. So you need to approach it with a, a different agenda. Yeah, exactly, Jim. Like if, if trying to beat the anxiety hasn't worked and people have already tried that, and, the, you know, and they could, you know, Trust their own experience. Like, has the anxiety? I always ask people, has the anxiety really gone away for good? You know, with everything that they've tried and read about. And so maybe it's not just more strategies to make it go away. You know, what if trying to make the anxiety go away for good just doesn't work? And so that whole agenda, like you said, is really kind of coming to terms with that. And there's hope inside of that because if if I don't have to do more of that anymore, there's another way. Yeah. And another way that might give them joy and happiness and freedom. And that's what we're really trying to teach in that, that book. And the evidence shows that it, that is helpful. So, yeah. Like a lot of act therapists that I meet, John, you um, come across as though you, know, you invest personally in this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that actually we embody what we kind of teach here because this is a, a model for human uh, growth, for you know, healthy functioning, for getting the most out of life. So I guess what we're saying works for people who are struggling is also stuff that's going to work to help us flourish as well. And oh, with, yeah. Yeah, sorry, with that in mind, I was wondering if you could give an example of something that you do every day that makes a difference to your health and well-being. Mm. 
No, that's that's a good one. Uh, you know, I am the first to say that, you know, I face the obstacles, problems, and pain that life serves up just as much as anyone else. Um, I think that's part of the human condition. Is this is what life does, and there's no way to go forward without that. So, I don't see this act work as just um, a clever set of strategies dealing with like fear and anxiety or something. I see this more, like you said, as a way of living. It doesn't mean I'm perfect with it, but um, what I found that the practices help me to do is when my mind tries to hook me into um, judgment and blame um, or get caught up in difficulty. Like I have that not too, well, a year or so ago, um, I, I'm probably going on two years now, I had contracted Lyme disease. And I don't know if your readers know about that, but it's a tick-borne illness here. It's fairly common. <laughs> Serious illness from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, it, it actually is. I, growing up, had heard about it, but I always thought, oh, it's nothing. You just take antibiotics for it. But I had somehow had it for some undisclosed amount of time to the point where I had uh, woke up one day and you, know, you have to have the background where I had uh, been, I'm a fairly active person and I do that by choice. And so going out and um, I try to run that every day. I like to hike and walk. And uh, so I woke up one morning with my, one of my knees swollen up to the size of a balloon and uh, extreme pain in my joints. I had no idea what happened because I hadn't, you know, twisted it in any way. So long story short is I eventually ended up at the orthopedic doctor and they did some blood work and he said, yeah, you tested positive for Lyme and one of the symptoms is severe arthritic pain throughout your body. And plus, in addition to that, I had also neurological problems where um, my wife was my actually then fiance, uh, you know, where I just couldn't, our interactions, I would just, uh, you know, lose track of time. My short-term memory was terrible. Uh, and my emotions were all over the place from anger to anxiety. And uh, there was a point there where our relationship, I think, was in danger, you know, because that wasn't like me, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand that that was part of the Lyme disease. And so, I eventually went on this long journey through treatment and so on to try to uh, kind of break free from that. But during that whole time, you know, it was one of those things where the practice of ACT helped me to put things in perspective. Um, that I had no control of what was going on in my body. I, the only thing I could control was, you know, taking care of myself, listening to my doctor, listening to my fiance saying, you know, you need to do this or not do that. Um, no amount of thinking about it made my knee swelling go down, <laughs> it rush it, you know, the pain was real. And so I, I could initially see myself being upset with it. I can't run. I couldn't run for months afterwards. I could barely walk uh, without a severe pain and a limp. Um, so I lost all those abilities for a period of time. And Naturally, my mind came in saying, you know, why me? Why this happened? How did it happen? Will I ever be able to walk again? Could I ever be able to hike or jog again? 
Well, I get my memory back. Well, my emotions, my emotional life kind of get back to a place. And uh, the act work helped me put all this in perspective. You know, it didn't mean I liked it, but it helped me get space from it. Um, it helped me to focus on my values and to not fight what was already going on that I didn't like very much inside of my body, but to do what I could to actually take care of myself. You know, with the pain and difficulty to practice self-care. And um, that's just one example. But daily, because uh, we all have minds that are judgy and, you know, often living in the future or the past, I think ACT has helped me, like many people, to catch those thoughts when they're not really helpful as signposts to the kind of life I want to lead and notice them for what they are, which are thoughts, and then to come back to where I am in the kind of person I want to be and what I want to be doing with my time. And so to be come back to my values and to do the best that I can. So it's not about being perfect. It's the practice is not to be mindful 24-7 or to be spacious 24-7. I think the practice is to catch ourselves when we get hooked by our thoughts and our old history, imagery, judgment, or in the past or the future, and hooked in our emotions. And then to catch that, breathe space into it, come back to the present. And we might have to do that a thousand times a day, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty much describing there the essence of what the book is teaching, it seems mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your, your very scary sounding experience that you described there um, and linking that with how you then have used this approach to help then, but also how you help it on a daily basis seems seems quite useful I think to hear that this is something that can work day to day when things are relatively okay but also something that you can use at a time of real crisis mm -hmm. yeah and I, I think that's what I, you know I meant by this sort of being an approach to living and you start to see it that way it helps in ways that are way beyond the anxiety and fear it's the the practice you know, just like any skill, I think you need to learn the skills when the monster is not, you know, breathing down your neck so that you can apply it when the anxiety does show up or the anger shows up or the boredom or the self-judgment uh, and blame and shame shows up. You'll have the skills then to not drown in that old stuff, to be able to get the space there to kind of, you know, paddle your way in the direction you want to go. Uh, so the practice is there to help you, you know, build that muscle, whether it's compassion or mindfulness or a little acceptance or focus on your values, so that you can use it uh, whenever and wherever you need to. And um, so, yeah, the, being mindful is not only just get the space with the difficulty, but it's also put you in more contact with the life you have and the sweetness of living your values. You know, when you're really present to your life and connected, you stand to reap the rewards of doing something that's good for you in your life. If you're disconnected and dissociated and wrapped up in the past or the future, you won't be there psychologically to really reap the rewards and the sweetness of the little things in life that really matter. And so that's the other benefit of it, is by cultivating these skills, we also stand 
to really uh, taste and contact the joys of life, even when it's hard to do. Thank you, John. It's yeah. been a pleasure to listen to you talk about your own experiences, talking about the experience of the person that you knew and worked with, who'd also got some help from the book. And also just talking about the book it's, itself. I mean, I can highly recommend this. It's, um, I love the way it's structured. It's structured with, in a workbook form, as we've talked about, talks about there are life-enhancing exercises and take-home messages at the end of each section. And, um, and also, when you get a copy of the book, you can access these um, experiential audio exercises by going to the new Harpinger publications website, which is a fantastic publisher, um, producing oh. lots of clinician books and self-help books. And there are tw 23 experiential exercises, I believe I counted. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a few. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as I say, it's been a pleasure, John. Thank you for joining me today. Um, as a, just as a sign-off, if people do want to get in, in contact with you uh, for whatever reason, is there is there a good way of doing that? Oh, sure. They can uh, reach me at my uh, website, which is uh, www.drjohnforsyth, all one word, no E at the end, uh, dot com. So just drjohnforsyth, all one word, dot com. And they could find me there and uh, happy to respond. I do respond to emails and contacts. So uh, be happy to chat with anybody that wants to reach out. Fabulous. Great. Well, um, lovely to have you. And um, I, um, I hope it's going to be a great episode for people to listen to. I'm sure it will be. Thanks for joining me, John. Yeah, thank you, Jim, for having me on. Take good care now. And you. Bye now. Bye-bye.